Why is he yelling like Believe Robert and I? Gentlemen. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Shall we do this with uh, a former NFL and BYU linebacker, David Nixon? Heard I, of him. I think we shall. Hey. Welcome to the show. Bro. Welcome, up, to, welcome to your home, yeah, your new man, home. This is the new home. It's also my home. This is where yes, we film is. AFR as well. Yes, it is. So I'm glad we're cohabitating here. We feel like you guys enter our space, but that's. <laughs> but this is a, it's a beautiful look. The couches, uh, you guys have dressed yeah. up very nicely. Yeah, uh, we yeah. did this. There was no head. No, yeah, we don't do any of this. Yeah, we just yeah. show up. We have an amazing crew. All right, we've got a lot to talk about because. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. There are a ton of injuries on the BYU football team right now. We were uh, talking late into the night after the win over Wyoming about this and how much it's going to affect BYU going into the Utah State game and then into Notre Dame and Arkansas. So let's go ahead and start there. Um, we think that a bunch of guys are going to come back for Utah State, certainly by Notre Dame. So, I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your level of concern for the BYU defense specifically with injuries? Listen, if, if there's anything we learned in the past, and including this year, is that it really is a next man up mentality. I, mean, I remember looking out on the field against um, uh, who we even played last Wyoming, and <laughs> there were names I'd never even recognized. And we were trying to look, and they weren't even the two deep. These are kids who are the three deep. And, and that's kind of been the mentality is somebody's got to step up because this has been, unfortunately, it's been an ongoing theme for the last few years for BYU is injuries right and, and especially with the brutal schedules BYU has uh, played including this year yeah uh, with Baylor and Oregon back to back and so um, you know it's it's one of those things where fortunately the backups have come in and played pretty well and, and, you, and you look at the the production that, that they had this last week and uh, pretty happy with how it all played out but man I don't know what it is BYU's got to find a way to keep their guys healthy because it's 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 a joke honestly it's it, yeah, it's tough, and I'm not sure what you can do about it. We've talked about this in years past with strength and conditioning. BYU emphasizes all that to avoid injuries, yet the game is violent. Um, so you just have to be deep. And at receiver, BYU's been super deep. Like Keanu Hill sitting there waiting, yep. going, hey, your boy is going to have a game like this, and, and gosh, he did. And then Miles Davis at RB3. Miles Davis, Cody Epps. I mean, Cody Epps has come on his last few games. I mean, and, and, and of course – we're not even talking about Chase Roberts, who nobody really knew about, you know, and then and then Cosper with his first touchdown. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of credit goes to his offensive staff, specifically Fessy Satake, for getting his guys ready. I mean, to have that constant evolving door in that room and not knowing who's going to play and who's going to go out with injury, right? Well, Chase Roberts goes out in the first half, and all of a sudden the backup's got to step up and you got to have guys that know what routes to run and whether you shift a guy over from X to Z or vice versa. I mean, there's there's a lot of moving parts, and, and the fact that there's not really any breakdowns. We saw the one breakdown with Miles Davis and Jaron Hall uh, where they kind of hid in the backfield. Uh, but other than that, you don't see a lot of busted plays from this BYU team. You don't see a lot of guys running wrong routes. I mean, that's really impressive given all the injuries and different experience and young guys who have to step up. And so – very impressed with Roderick, Fessy, and the rest of the staff for having all these guys ready because, I mean, it'd be, it'd be easy to see these young guys coming in and running a post when they're supposed to run a corner and, and just being a mess. But instead, Jaron's on target 
uh, on point with those guys, and, and it's almost like you know he didn't skip a beat. And defensively, the hope is that BYU can continue to play well because when you play Notre Dame and Arkansas, it's different than when you play Wyoming and Utah State, certainly on both sides of the ball, all three areas. No Max Tooley was an issue. We saw more talent all free at uh, safety. If we learned anything from the UAB game, was it that, hey, that's not the same BYU team per se. So the hope is this week they can get healthy, get things going, because Notre Dame is sitting there next yeah. week, David, and then Arkansas at home. Those are two massive games. Yeah, I, I think the guys that are on the fence, you want to get them, you want to have them play. Uh, guys that are still, you know, that have issues that could pop back up again. For example, a hamstring. You don't want to push a hamstring a week early, so right? So no Puka this week. I don't think you think. play Puka. Yeah, we'll see if we see him against Notre Dame and Arkansas. Yeah, I mean the ham and the hamstring injuries. Those are always so different. I mean, it depends on the player, right? Some of them are, are pretty bad tears. Some are just tweaks. And they all classify them as a hamstring pull, right? So you just never know the, the severity of it. Uh, but I think guys that are either that are on the fence, you sit them. Because fortunately for BYU, you've seen the experience. And, and you saw guys step up last week. Um, I think with Utah State, with their struggles this year, I think you can get away with – with playing guys, the second and third string, to show they can play against Wyoming. And I'm not trying to downplay the Utah State team because they're going to come in fired up, no question. They do every year. I mean, this is their Super Bowl, especially given their record right now. Uh, this is a huge game for them to knock off a ranked opponent. Um, but I, I think with what BYU has shown on film and, and the backups, I think they can get away with, with playing their second and third stringers that have shown they're very capable. What an interesting situation at uh, the wide receiver and running back positions right now. We've been asking, okay, who's RB1, who's wide receiver one? Let's start with the wide receivers. I mean, crazy as it sounds, like if you told me, all right, BYU's going to roll out Keanu Hill, Cody Epps, and Braden Cosper on Thursday night, I wouldn't bat an eye. I'd be like, all right, it's all good. That's, that's crazy thinking of no Puka Nakua, no Gunnar Romney, no Chase Roberts. Now, we think Gunnar Romney and Chase Roberts are going to play. Uh, who's wide receiver one? Because I, we all think Puka is like the best receiver, but he's not healthy. So who is that guy right now? I, I don't think we need a guy. I mean, you, you look at Puka, the fact that he was wide receiver one, no question going into the season, he goes down, and all of a sudden by committee, the wide receiver group by committee has stepped up. And I think – I mean, it's nice to have a wide receiver one that, that's obviously better than the others because defenses have to game plan for him. Right? They, they've got to roll coverages. You've got a double team, which opens up anywhere else on the field. But right now, you've got so many guys that can, can contribute. And Jaron Hall is playing such phenomenal football that it doesn't matter who wide receiver one is because his distribution, his vision, and, and, and the way he's able to get the ball out on time to these receivers and the fact that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, I don't think it really matters. I, I, I think, I mean, you look at the numbers across the board, and every game, you go back to even this last game, very evenly distributed the ball is. And I think, once again, that, that, what, that's nice for, for, for Aaron Roderick because you can dial up any play and, and know that all your guys, you can depend on your guys to come up with big plays, right? Um, and that keeps a defense off balance too because it's like, man, they just hit us over here with Keanu Hill with the deep bomb. Now they've got a back shoulder throw to Cody Epps on the sideline. And then we're going to hit Isaac Rex on, a, on an out route as well. And so it's like – what gives? I mean, even if we do double team, we're getting torched over here. And so I think it's great that BYU, you know, right now has so many weapons. They don't have to dedicate wide receiver one to one guy and say he's our only go-to guy when we need a big play. All those guys are stepping up. And that's, a, that's big time because I don't think BYU can get to three and one without it. And they are. And they're in the top 20, which is awesome. Okay, so Adam Gibby tweeted this. List of BYU QBs to get injured in the last decade versus Utah oh, State. Oh, don't bring this up right 12, now. 12, 14, 16, obviously, <laughs> Taysom. 
17, Bo Hodge and Coy Detmer Jr., 2019, Jaron Hall, 21, Baylor Romney. Do you even play Hall on Thursday, he says. <laughs> of course you play Jaron Hall. But the history against Utah State in this situation is super weird, is it not? It is weird. I don't get it. I mean, is your superstition so high that you actually consider doing something no, like this? No. <laughs> no, but honestly, you might tweak your game plan a little bit to say get the ball out faster. Let's hit some. Let's have some, some quick slants and outs instead of trying to hold on to the ball too long. And, Jaron, you are not running the ball. Uh, I mean, Jaron's on that list, right? Jaron's on that list from 2019. Yeah. Got I a mean, concussion. I mean, I, I, I think – Second, and just, second one of that year. Yeah, you're just yeah. cognizant and aware of, of what's going on. And, and once again, you are aware of, of this being a big game for Utah State. They're going to come out playing hard and fire it off. And yes. so uh, you're aware of that element. And so that comes into play. But ultimately, I think you play your game and maybe you adjust it slightly. But, okay. you know, you've got you to go out there and take care of business. Okay, so maybe no RPO, like zero RPO for Jaron Hall against Utah State. That's my, that's my take every game of the year right now. I, don't want you, I do not want him running the ball. Now Aaron Ever? is going to run that on the first play. Because like, Aaron's like, oh, last Saturday, what do we need to do? We need to establish the run? Okay, let's throw. Yeah. Right out of the game. You know throw, what I mean? Like, throw to set up the run. He's like, yeah. I'm going to win this game. I don't care what you think we need to do. We're going to win the game. This is what I anticipate they'll do, and this is what I anticipate they'll do later, and it worked. BYU ran Wyoming into the ground later in the game. Sure, yeah, yeah. I'm okay it wasn't with, out I'm of the okay, gates, though. I'm okay with passing to set up the run at BYU. This is BYU. Yeah, absolutely. We're okay with the pass. Okay, so if Jaron is clearly not going to be a primary runner, who is he handing off to as running back one? Getting back to that conversation, yeah. it's like, who – who is RB1? Yeah, I, I think the RB1 – so I think the, the running back conversation is different than the wide receiver in the sense that I think the running back situation is truly a game-by-game situation, right? I mean, depending on who you're facing, we knew that, we knew that Wyoming was going to be overly aggressive, right? And they were going to be tracking that backside and, 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 and Lopini and Brooks, the holes are going to be that much tougher because Wyoming is a tough – I mean, they gave up 171 yards to Air Force the week prior who averages, you know, usually 300 yards a game. So we knew the run game was going to be tough. Uh, but what's nice about the run game right now is you have the speed of Lapini and Brooks, and that speed is, is, a little bit, is, is a little bit slower, right? A little bit slower developing. But then you also you hit him with the Miles Davis, which is, which is a much faster speed, and, and you throw the defense off, off guard, right? And that's what happened against BYU with Oregon, the speed. We saw the speed was too much for BYU's defense, frankly. Wrong angles, guys just half a step too slow to their gaps, missing tackles. That's why there are a lot of missed tackles, guys lunging instead of bringing their legs, et cetera. Um, and I think the same thing BYU did now to Wyoming, where you start with Brooks and Lopini, and they're used to a certain pace, right? You're used to tracking that running back and taking your time and going gap by gap, making sure all the holes are filled. And all of a sudden, Miles Davis comes in, and that's happening that much faster. And your, your reaction time is that much shorter, and it takes some time to adjust to that. And I think that's why Miles had so much success. I mean, beyond the fact that he had some great vision, a la Tyler Algier, to cut stuff back on those zone plays. Um, but... I was impressed. I was impressed with, with, with his vision, his burst to get through those holes. Um, but I think going forward, I don't think you just go all in on, on him. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be a game-by-game situation. I mean, for example, Arkansas, you're going to need some bigger backs to, to, when they make contact to get an extra one or two yards. Um, but then you bring in some speed with Miles Davis in certain situations. And you try gashing that way, and so change of pace. I don't think you go all in on one of the backs and say, "No, you're RB one." I mean, we even saw that in game one with USF. Lopini contributed, right? Um, but I, I do like the fact that you now have this element—the whole thunder and lightning you hear, right? 
I think Miles brings that. And I, I think that's what's exciting for this offense is it's been missing that, that speed. Uh, and, and now, you know, they were trying to supplement that with Puka on the, on the jet sweeps and fly sweeps, try to get that yeah. speed on the outside to, to hit the outsides. And now you get that with Miles Davis. So we'll see how that kind of continues to play out. Is it easier as a linebacker to prepare for a running back by committee approach? Like it, or no, harder. No, or it's is much it harder. Okay. Much harder. Yeah. When you have one back, you, you spend all week watching that film of his tendencies, his footwork, how he hits the holes, his, his pad level, et cetera. There's a lot of stuff you watch. But now you got to watch triple the film when you got Lopini and Miles Davis and, and Brooks. And so it makes it that much tougher. And once again, now you have to adjust the speed of the game because they all play a little different. Uh, and, 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 and the way they attack is a little different. So it makes it that much more difficult. Mm. So. Triple the film on a short week yeah. as well. So yep. that, that's interesting as well. Okay, as we look ahead, because we knew that Wyoming and Utah State, these were, these were games that BYU needs to win at home, obviously, handle them. Heavy favorites, 24 right now with Utah State. Whoa. Uh, Notre Dame and Arkansas sitting there. How are you feeling about BYU's chances in those games, given the injuries, given where BYU's at right now? I, I like BYU's chances. I, I think Jaron Hall is playing elite-level quarterback. I mean, Amen. You, we you can put use out, you, put out, you put out the tweet where he's not turning the ball over, knock on wood, right? I mean, it, right, right now the offense is taking care of the ball, which is, you know, the number one uh, goal in the offense is don't turn the ball over. Um, but, I, you know, injury-wise, BYU's basically played without Puka all season. Sounds like Gunnar Romney should be right around the corner, according to Kalani, right? Um, and so I think you add that weapon back in, but – I'm confident. I, I think, you know, Notre Dame is not really the Notre Dame we maybe thought they were, especially with their injuries they've had. Um, Arkansas since uh, Missouri State look pretty susceptible, right? Uh, How so, good are your A&M Aggies? My A&M Aggies are not that good. Uh, <laughs> so that had a close game. I, I think, honestly, I think BYU has a really good shot at, at um, these, you know, obviously Utah State, but then moving on those two games. And, and once again, it'll be a lot of these injuries. Can guys come back? And can they stay healthy through this stretch? And that's, that's the biggest question mark. And frankly, guys, that's been the storyline for the last three, four, five years, is, is can BYU stay healthy with these, these tough, brutal, independent schedules? And so far, they've somewhat passed and almost failed in certain instances. And, and in order for BYU to get through, they've got to get some of these guys back um, and, and stay healthy. I mean, that's the name of the game. The that's number it. one yeah. guy for that is Jaron Hall. 100%. As long as Jaron Hall is, is starting for BYU – you, you got a shot. Well, and, and he's the best QB in every game on this game. 100%. And, B, and BYU has shown they can overcome injuries in other positions. Uh, but, you know, we also showed in the last few years the quarterback position, you know, Baylor Romney came in and, and played well, that the quarterback position struggles whenever you bring the back up. And so 100%, Jaron's got to yeah. stay healthy. Thanks for hanging out with us, David. Yeah, always fun. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now over Zoom is the voice of the Utah State Aggies, uh, one of our good friends, Scott Gerard. Scotty G. Fantastic job, radio personality in Salt Lake City for KSL Sports Zone. Scotty G, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's always a pleasure to catch up with two of my favorite people on the planet. Hey, before we get started, I have a quick story. Can I share you a quick story? Yeah, please. Quick? Yeah. So uh, I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Idaho, a little town called Declo. And about two or three months ago, I get a DM from my high school principal. And I have not talked to this guy in like 25 years. And he reaches out and he goes, hey, just want to let you know, 
really proud of the work you're doing. It's really awesome. I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. He's like, listens to the show with me and hands, or he's listening to the play-by-play. He's like, whenever I see you pop up on a great show like BYU Sports Nation, I know you're doing good work. <laughs> 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 All right. So, to Mike Matthews up there in Declo, Idaho. Let's, Declo. Let's talk some cool tags. Yes. Hey, sorry, sorry that it wasn't exactly what you wanted. <laughs> but shout out to Mike. That is fantastic. Uh, you bring up Hans. So, what? let's just throw some heat out early on in this conversation and keep it rolling. Okay. Is it is it harder to work with Hans Olsen or Ben Bagley, Scott? Uh, both had strengths. Um, both uh, had different challenges that you had to work through. Uh, ben certainly uber focused. Hans has the attention span of a hummingbird, and so you kind of have, have to corral him a little bit. Um, there was a great story though when we were there was a Utah State BYU game. It was the really cold game oh, yeah. day after Thanksgiving. What was that? 15? 17, 18. And uh, and we're standing there, and Ben was not as um, svelte as he is now, and uh, and and um, there was a play that uh, I, I can't remember the running back came out of bounds, and Hands moves Ben over in front and uses Ben as like a human shield um, as the play was going out of bounds, and frankly probably protected all of us, but I'm afraid Ben took the brunt of that uh, of, of that hit. So yeah, Hands is. Hans is a great dude, but Hans will sacrifice friends and family to make sure he stays safe. <laughs> yes. Hey, at the end of the day, that's the character revealed there for a sec. Uh, okay, yeah. let's talk Utah State football. Certainly, this is a team that won the Mountain West, finished top 25. It was a banner year. That was a big win for BYU to get that done in Logan last year. Now Utah State comes in reeling at 1-3 and three and having lost to Weber State and UNLV. What changed with this team? You know, it's interesting because you think, okay, the coaching staff comes back, quarterback comes back, and everything should just be lock and step and ready to go. And there's been struggles in terms of losing key players. A guy like Devin Tompkins, who led the nation for a good chunk of the year last year in receptions and receiving yards, uh, he leaves. They lose their top three receivers. They leave their top tight end. A guy on the defensive side like Nick Henniger, uh, Justin Rice, those were all huge key losses. Uh, the thing that surprised me the most, though, is the receivers they brought in via the program or the transfer portal, I kind of felt like would be able to transition nicely into this offense, and that has not been the case. This offense has been uh, has really struggled, and I think the knee injury to Logan uh, Bonner, who suffered an ACL tear in the uh, bowl game, he's come back and he's tried to fight through it, but he's not quite there. The, just does, the timing's not there. The receivers haven't quite figured out this offense and it just hasn't clicked and it feels like every week it's like okay this is the week it might break out and it, and it, you saw a little bit of it against UNLV who's a much improved team uh, but that's still a team that Utah State probably should be beating and not losing by 10 at home to UNLV so there's a lot of things that I think people are concerned about for good reason I think we eventually feel like it's gonna rectify itself but it certainly isn't quite there yet Scott, with the struggles of Logan Bonner, and uh, yeah, tough to come back from an ACL. Oh my gosh. And you said he's just not himself. At what point does it become Cooper Legat time? Cooper Legat, of course, a great Orem high product, and uh, it was a big get for Utah State. Is it this week? If not, is it in the near future that Cooper Legat takes over and plays some quarterback? Well, there was a lot of conversation before that UNLV game, and Blake Anderson said that Logan would be on a short leash. 
Uh, he did go out and throw five interceptions. Two of them were end. One was end a half. One was end a game. So you kind of take a look at that um, and, and kind of you know brush that aside a bit. Uh, coach said two of them were on Logan Bonner, um, but there wasn't a moment where it really felt like okay, the reason BYU or Utah State struggling in this game is because of Logan Bonner. Uh, I do think they'll try to stick with him as long as they can, barring another injury that, you know, who knows, it may pop up somewhere along the line. I think they'll try to stick with Logan as long as they can. But if if you see that offense continue to stall and you look at it with because of bad reads or because of bad uh, decisions out there on the field, then, yeah, he'll go to Cooper Lega, and it wouldn't surprise me if Cooper gets the shot here uh, in the uh, near future. They roll both of them out to this huddle after a kickoff, and then they run to the sideline. Are you looking for who the quarterback is every offensive series start now? Uh, certainly was that way against UNLV. Yeah, you know, I got the binoculars there in the booth, and because you'll see, you'll see Cooper warming up on the sideline, thinking, "Oh, oh, here's going to be the, it's going to be his drive." There was a moment in that first half where Logan Bonner threw back-to-back interceptions, and and you're thinking, "Okay, this might be the time they they make the they make the poll." And they put Logan out there, and Logan takes it right down the field and scores a touchdown uh, right before the end of the half, and, and it probably saved uh, or at least earned him the right to finish that game. Now, going into the BYU game, it's going to be another, you know, I'm sure that they'll try to give Logan every opportunity, but make no mistake, if there's any other issues uh, and any issues we're not aware of at this time, uh, that, that Cooper will get a shot. Scott Gerard, the voice of the Utah State Aggies, is on BYU Sports Nation. We so often hear, hey, throw out the records, all of the story. This is a rivalry game. It's just about pure emotion. Are you buying into that this week, given the struggles of Utah State? Maybe they rally the troops. Maybe they come into Provo and they do something special. Like, does it, does it matter what Utah State has done to this point when it comes to the rivalry game and the last one for the foreseeable future against BYU? I think there's a lot of emotion, sure. And look, these guys, a lot of these guys played on the same high school team, played against each other in high school. Some some of them are even related to each other. So, yeah, that's going to matter. But at the end of the day, talent usually wins out. And Utah State is a talented football team. It's not clicking yet. But if Utah State makes this game close or, or, or wins this game, it's because Utah State played really well and they've got some talent on that team. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm a little... I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little cynical on the whole emotions play out. Look, Utah State, for a lot of years, always wanted to beat BYU. And more often than not, BYU beat Utah State because BYU, more often than not, was the more talented team. And I think you could want to play as badly as you want. But at the end of the day, usually the better team finds a way to win that game. And so Utah State certainly has a, 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 a tough hill to climb against a really talented, really special BYU team that's playing great football. And so if Utah, but Utah State's talented, they've got good players on that team. Uh, they've got a defense that's, you know, ranked seventh in the country and tackles for losses per game. I think that's going to be an interesting aspect to see that BYU offensive line against a much smaller, but very quick, very athletic uh, defensive front seven for Utah State. So there's elements to this, this game that Utah State can challenge BYU. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough one for the Aggies for sure. Now, I'm being told that Declo is not in the middle of nowhere. It's eight miles east of Burley. It has its own exit on the freeway. That's from a native Idahoan who is challenging your claim of Declo being in the middle of nowhere. Your thoughts? Okay. 
uh, a Google population, Defalo, Idaho. It's 298. <laughs> I had a graduating high school class of 65. Um, and so, you know, yes, it is a technical suburb of Burley, which is, by the way, population 10,000. And look, nobody's going to stand up for the good reputation of Defalo, Idaho more than this guy. But still, geographically, it's not really centered in the, uh, you know, in a bustling metropolis, if you will. It has its own exit on the freeway. I, that's all I need to know. Okay. Hey, that's Scott. Good. Okay, fair uh, enough. I imagine that the pride of Declo, Idaho, is not too happy with the idea of BYU football and basketball on the men's side going away for the foreseeable future. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on BYU and Utah State not playing football until who knows when and the basketball game not happening? in the future well okay football is one thing and i totally get football especially if you're playing a nine game uh conference schedule in the big 12 that makes sense to me um although if you know byu is playing in laramie in 2024 that doesn't make a lot of sense but whatever I, yeah. I i agree with you guys i think eventually that thing will get worked out um i so football makes sense i get that basketball I still think you should, you know, there, there can be ways in which you can play that game. But I also understand that Tom Homo's in an interesting bind. Uh, look, you're, it's a new world. You're not exactly sure what you're, uh, what you're working with there. I understand that it's, it's, you're, you're navigating some waters you're not completely familiar with. I would hope when the dust settles, especially on the basketball side, and BYU kind of settles into the rhythm of the Big 12 and knows what to do and how to schedule and things like that, we can see Utah State back on the schedule. Look, it's me for me selfishly. Not only is the play-by-play guy for Utah State, but also mm-hmm. a radio show host in Salt Lake City. Rivalries are fun. Rivalries make great topic, great content. It's fun to talk about BYU and Utah, BYU and Utah State, and Utah and BYU. Those are fun conversation points. It makes our job easier. So yeah, I'm being a little selfish. I would like these games to be played if possible. But I'm also a realist, and I understand that BYU's got to find a way to work through a new world they're living in in the Big 12. Scott, you are a class act. We appreciate the time, as always. And hopefully our fans in Declan are watching to see you uh, con- your budding career continue on BYU Sports I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a try-hard guy. You know I'm scrappy. So hopefully good things continue to come my way. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott Gerard, voice of the Utah State Aggies. <laughs> I love him. He's so personable and fantastic. He's the best. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Locked on Baylor's Drake Toll. I'm a fan. Good dude. Tweeted out the following last night. <laughs> Is it always this hard to be a BYU fan? <laughs> that encapsulate what being a BYU fan's like, Spence? Yeah, it's an emotional roller coaster. You expect a lot. I, I feel like this happens with every team. People say, not with Alabama and Georgia. It's, it's like, oh, no, no. Spence, New Mexico State does not have this roller coaster. Hey, if you have a winning program, yeah. it happens this way. Yeah. Even Georgia. Georgia fans were freaking out because Kent they gave State. gave up 22 points. Kent State scored more on them. 19 more points on them than Oregon did. Kent State greater than Oregon. Again, the week-to-week variance, Jeremy. What happened against Kent State? Maybe George is slipping. Stop it. Kent can play. (laughs) That guy. 
Yeah, it's, it's hard to be a fan in general because there will naturally be ups and downs. Not every game is going to be like this incredible game. Your team's not going to win every game. I know. It was funny walking out of the stadium going, 4-1 and one and I feel weird. What? 4-1. and one. I'm happy at 4-1. Oh, my goodness. Clean, things to clean up. Yes, and that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so, yeah, we feel like he kind of perfectly encapsulated being a BYU fan, right? Where will BYU, however, store the wagon wheel after last night's 12-point win? Well, there are no games scheduled with Utah State in the foreseeable future. In a museum somewhere, because that thing is going to be about to get dusty. Can we make a case big enough in the SAB, the Student Athlete Building, yeah. to hold that thing? Yeah, trust me, no one's walking out with that. That thing's heavy. No, no. Like, four dudes heavy. Does it even need to go in a case then? No. No, you just <laughs> lean it up against the wall. But if that thing lands on you, your fibula's gone. Yeah, dude. there's got to be something securing it yeah. up against the wall. That's what What's securing it is not playing. Put it on the back of Ed Lamb's Jeep. There you go. Does Max Tooley need to toss another shoe to prove he can do better? No. Once was enough. <laughs> just not course, submitted by the, the BYU coaching staff. corresponding unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct personal foul call. That was on third down, too. Ugh. Again, devastating penalties. There were a few of those last night. Zach Daw weighed in. It said something like, hey, <laughs> let me know if you need some tips. Do you need some help with that? <laughs> yeah, we need to work on your form. We need to work, on, need your to work on your form. There it is. Yeah, that's, exactly, that's what he said. I've never uh, misquoted anybody ever. I asked Max about that in my post-game interview. Pretty funny. Uh, speaking of post-game interviews, um, Jeremy, I think that you may need a hype crew like this in your life. Watch this yeah. for Cody Epps. Keep that energy up, go! Keep that energy up for real! That boy got three tons in three games! Stop playing with him for real, boy! Stop playing with him! Stop playing with him, boy! Why is he yelling like Robert and I? gentlemen. And D'Angelo Mandel. Why is he yelling like Robert and I? D'Lo and Malik Moore, the hype crew that Cody Epps always wanted. That's awesome. I love that. Cody Epps is becoming a guy, right? Yeah. Five for 86 Leads and a the touch. the team in receptions. Three touchdowns uh, in three games. Let's go, baby. All right. Will volleyball complete uh, the week with a sweep at Gonzaga? I believe so. Yeah. They're playing really, really well. Absolutely. A lot of confidence. I don't think they'll lose a set up there. Nope, nope. Mark Few ain't playing for them. What are your plans? He'd be the libero if he was. Yeah. Uh, what are your plans for a BYU football-free Saturday, other than watching women's volleyball? Ten hours of religious yes. programming yes. via general conference. Yep. I've got two TVs in my basement, so I can accomplish both things. Also... The BYU TV app has it on demand yep. should that be required. So really, like, if you got multiple TVs and you got a third screen, you're covered. You can I can watch, bring the laptop down. I can bring the phone down. You can watch volleyball. I can watch it uh, conference in four different languages. And yeah, that, you, <laughs> that you can do. Yeah. A lot of watching television for sure. Over under one and a half BYU sports alums speaking, by the way. Hmm. Zikahema, Nielsen, Durant. Over under one and a half. They've all spoken pretty recently. So, so you go under, under one? Say okay. under. One, one will happen. Okay. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. And let's just go right to what happened under the Thursday night lights at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Jerem, BYU beats Utah State 38-26. The Cougars were a 24-point favorite. I heard that. We all knew it. BYU wins by half of that, allowing the Aggies to score garbage touchdown. We lost a couple of bets. Now we got to buy lunch for some people. 
two lunch bets <laughs> where we gave the points to individuals. So may, maybe you're not the right person to ask this question to because you had some side, some side bets in play. <laughs> but was winning the game last night for BYU, again, by a final of 38-26, yep. was that enough for the Cougars? I'm going to say no, Spence, mm. that winning wasn't enough. The standard's high here. BYU feels like, and we feel like, it is a Power 5-like program. Next year it officially will be. BYU beat a top 10 team at home. I think we're holding this team to that standard. And when Vegas tells you you're a 21 and now 24-point favorite in consecutive weeks against a group of five teams that are in the Mountain West, and you play at home, you feel like you should dominate. BYU did not dominate the last two weeks. In fact, 14 and 12-point wins make you feel like there's something left there. So the good news is we haven't seen BYU at its best. Perhaps they've saved it for Notre Dame and Arkansas. That's the hope. But the way that BYU's banged up, the way that BYU was undisciplined on defense with three offside calls at home, personal foul, a, uh, you know, roughing the passer call that eh, was on his hip, you know, not his legs and yeah, they went at Jaron's knees. Maybe a lack of situational dirty play. awareness that late in the game. Obedience to the rules, Spence. <laughs> Hashtag safety zone. I feel like there's more out there. I don't feel like w- that it was enough. That's not to say I'm not happy about winning. Yeah. I just think BYU is capable of more. But perhaps BYU isn't the team that we're holding the standard up to. I don't know. I, I feel like we're going to learn the next two weeks exactly who BYU is. Or have we already seen that, Spencer? Have we already seen that BYU is playing more like a great group of five team who's just worried about winning, not margin? I feel like we're worried about margin because we feel like BYU's better than that. Yeah. And the last two weeks, they haven't exactly shown that. Is BYU the team that beat Baylor? Is BYU the team that lost to Oregon? I would say no on both accounts. So what is BYU? Are they the team that played the last two weeks? So far, that's what we've got to go on. I think BYU is better than this, and they can be that. That's why I feel a little disappointed with yesterday. I have now taken on the mantra of just being okay with beating everybody on the schedule. You know, Notre Dame and Arkansas obviously winning by one point is fantastic. But I'm talking about everybody else. Boise State, Liberty, East Carolina, okay, maybe not Utah Tech, but everybody else just win. Like, okay, whatever. I don't care if you win by one point. Like, no more more emphasis on Why is this? Just because I feel like there is so much attrition with injuries and guys coming in and out and just it is so difficult to win in college football because the week-to-week variance is wild, right? I mean, even we bring up Arkansas, we're like, oh, man, Arkansas coming in. They're a really good team, which they are. They were down by two scores to Missouri State at home in the fourth quarter. How does that happen to a team like Arkansas on their home field? We're asking the same questions about how is BYU not like running away from Utah State right now? A team that lost to Weber State 35-7. to It's hard not to feel that way when that happened yes. with Weber State and UNLV and Connecticut, frankly. Week-to-week variance is just, it, it's a fickle beast. And think, think about this. So you don't care about the means as much anymore. Just the end. Find a way. One, Find good. a way. Find a way. BYU couldn't find a way against Coastal Carolina. They couldn't find a way against UAB. They couldn't find a way against Boise State. They found a way in a lot of other games. Yes. So, and it's like, hey, I don't care. Just win. Because do we look, even last season, do we look back at last season at the 10 wins and think, man, I wish that BYU would have won by 
you know, a touchdown more than they beat Washington State by. Ugh, you know, like, do we care about that? No, we talk about the win total. We talk about the win total. So at the end of this season, I feel like we'll be in the same place. If BYU wins 10 games this year, nobody's going to care that BYU only beat Wyoming by 14 or beat Utah State by 12. Nobody will care. Now, if BYU continues to show a trend and they, like, lose to ECU or they lose to Liberty with the same issues of starting slow, this is the concern, not being Spence. able to stop the run, then okay, all right. This is it. For sure. But it's almost like people have already resigned to the fact that BYU is not going to be able to fix any of this. Like, ah, they've shown us who they are, like, three games in a row. They, they have not been able to stop the run. It's over. Like, BYU is going to get run over by Notre Dame. They're not going to be able to stop Arkansas. Uh, do we just need to, like, push pause for a second and be like, okay, can we, should we see if BYU can make some changes, get a little more healthy, and then maybe determine? Like, Robert and I, we talk about the slot. He says it takes six games to really know what you are as a football team. We need one more. Okay. One more. But still, and you bring up the point I was going to bring up, which is I think what we're afraid of is the trend. That perhaps sure. that, that's totally that this isn't temporary, but yes. that's the normal. That BYU is undisciplined on defense. That offensively, BYU struggles to run the ball in first halves for some reason. Like, what, whatever it is, I'm with you. BYU's 4-1. and one. This is a game ahead of schedule from the preseason, probably. You know what I mean? Yes. We were like hoping for four and one. Three and two was probably four and one. We thought was the one realistic was best yes. case scenario. We're gonna go five and zero. Oh? Come on. Now the next two weeks, it's split. Go split. Two and zero. Oh? Probably. Uh, obviously, that would be incredible. Let's be real. Come on. Let's get real. And, yes. Split. And guess what? Split would be great. By nature of the big game, the bigger scene, like and one of those coming at home. You can't tell me that BYU is not going to show up even more motivated. And th- listen, this is something you're that, talking Arkansas. I'm talking yes, Arkansas in Provo. Which, by the way, Monday we'll find out. Hopefully, that what, that's an eight fifteen. Hopefully, it's a late game. We hope that's an eight fifteen. Regardless of that's when BYU started time. playing well against uh, Utah State. By the way, around eight <laughs> fifteen. What? We're talking about eighteen to twenty-two year old kids. In it BYU's is, case, twenty-four. It is really difficult. Truth to get everybody motivated as much as you would for a Baylor or an Arkansas or a Notre Dame. But I thought BYU was mature. So, to, like, again, like, I, it, I, it, sometimes it's tough. Was BYU maybe overlooking Wyoming and Utah State? Probably a little bit. Probably. Is there some entitlement there? Yeah, I think so. BYU's ranked. They feel confident. Yes. They're at home. They, they should uh, dominate. Should they not? Utah State lost to Weber State by 28. They lost to UNLV. Yeah. Like, it's going to be somewhat more easy for us. Meanwhile, Utah State's making a quarterback change, putting in a he brand was the new offense that looked just like Coastal Carolina's offense in 2020. Minus the option, yes, okay. RPO. Like, it's, it's, it's just so situational. It's very, very different. It's a fickle thing. What if Jake Oldroyd makes two field goals? And let's say Boren, Jacob Boren doesn't get a penalty, and BYU wins 44-20. to 20. Is everybody, feel different. Is everybody feeling way better about things? Yes. Because the <laughs> That's how fickle it is. Yes. And I get listen, in the end, the 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 end matters more than the means. But the means do matter because the means tell us about who you are and how you got there. Four and one is awesome. No one's debating whether four and one's awesome, right? I 
my, my fear is if the same BYU team that rolled out the last three weeks shows up against Notre Dame and Arkansas, then that BYU then could problem. go 0-2. Sure. And now you're 4-3, Spence. Now we're going, okay, that Baylor win was awesome, but that was a massive anomaly, and uh, BYU didn't blow out uh, Wyoming and Utah State, got the wins at home, awesome. But in these two other of the four big games, BYU went 1-3. And now BYU's an 8-4 and four kind of team at this point because you're probably going to stumble at some point down the stretch. But BYU's very talented. Like, this still could be a 10-2 and two squad. And if they figure some things out and they can pull off an upset uh, against Notre Dame or BYU's probably going to be a favorite at home against Arkansas, which is pretty gnarly. Can we do the uh, they're an underdog uh, to Arkansas at home like mm. uh, Baylor? I'd mm-hmm. like that a little bit. BYU plays well as the dog uh, in that case. I'm interested to see what BYU team shows up the next two weeks because BYU's pretty banged up. Again, we've got to learn from the UAB situation last year. We couldn't expect the same BYU team that rolled out against Utah to show up against UAB. It was a different squad. I know we say next man up. The next man up's not as good as the starter. That's That's being naive. It is. And those guys are giving great effort and doing their best, dot, dot, dot. This BYU team is banged up right now. Like, there's some notable injuries. However, it was good to see Max Tooley back, pick yeah. six, number yeah. one in the country with two of those, by the way. Jaron Hall is incredible. Like, E-word, yes. elite, he's playing so good right now. By the way, because he played a game yesterday ahead of everybody else, number one in the country in pass yards at the moment. Okay. He'll be passed up, but at the moment. Well, I think 1473 is what he's at right now. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. No Chase Roberts. No Malik Moore. No, no Puka, Puka Nakua. Nakua. Can Chase Roberts and Puka Nakua come back next week? Malik's got a decision to make. Because mm. if, if he did hurt his hand significantly, let's say it's broken or whatever, like, does he redshirt? Does he play with a club? Like, he's got a, a thing to figure out here. BYU missed him a lot last night. Yes. And against Wyoming. He was, he was injured on the first drive of the game against Wyoming. <sighs> That's tough. He sat out essentially two full games now. And Chase Roberts barely played. Last week as well. That's tough. All of these things factor in. I saw. I knew Chase wasn't playing when I walked in with like an hour to go, and I'm like, there's Chase Roberts outside the stadium. Mm. You're yeah. not playing tonight. Nope. <laughs> Dang it. But maybe they've been saving him for Notre Dame. Because this the last two weeks have been a build towards these two games. I know the team has taken Wyoming and Utah State and, and tried to beat them, right? And they did. Sure. But let's be again, honest, this season's going to be defined by how you do in those big four games. And if you slip up where you shouldn't. I'm going to give BYU one slip up down the stretch. Post-Arkansas, one slip up. Nine and three regular Probably going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Nine and three regular season would be great because you're going for ten in that bowl. Sure. Okay. So I want to see a couple. I'm hoping, hoping for a couple of things when BYU comes out in Las Vegas against Notre Dame, and that is one. Everybody's playing Notre Dame next week. Yes. This is awesome. Nine days from last night. Yeah, so eight, we're eight days Rest from today. Up. Yes. Just a quicker start. And I'm not even talking yeah. about offensively. Like, like yeah, it would be great. Rushing? To I'm just talking about, like, energy and urgency on both sides of the ball. Okay. Just like, it just feels like it takes a little bit to get the engines revving on both sides of the ball. It does. Okay? Yeah. Like, can the spark happen early? Like, so the slow, starts, spark. the slow starts not just for the offense. It's for both sides of the ball to get those guys, like, really engaged early. And maybe just the intensity and the stage against Notre Dame will do that by natural circumstances. You're playing in front of a huge crowd. You're Hard super not to excited. be juiced okay? in that moment. Cody Epps talked about 
like slow starts okay. and just a, maybe a way to overcome some of those. Listen to this. I think we probably just have to start off a little bit faster because these guys are, they, they have lost some, a couple games, but they're still a great team and, and they're going to come to play and they're going to come to fight. It's Notre Dame, you know, traditional Notre Dame. So, so we got to come ready and we got to hit them in the mouth early. Okay. The question is, how do you do that? Is, is it just natural because the game's a big game? Bring the juice, execute. Like, how are we going to quantify this, Spence? BYU moves the chains. They get, they get a field goal. They don't, on, they don't have a couple touchdown. of three and outs in the first quarter. Yes. Also, you don't allow a sustained drive where you, third down, there's an offside at home. Like, that was bad. Yeah, again, fickle things, right? Like these That's penalties, discipline. These, yeah. penal, these penalties took drives for Utah State and just really lengthened them out. Rush game. Come on. Negative 21 yards in the first. Awful. And then 25 rushes for 138 yards. By the way, shout out to Cody Epps, 5 for 68, touchdown. Yeah. Touchdown three straight games now, by the way. Ethan Erickson, what a catch. Who's Ethan Erickson? Now you know. And then, uh, you know, Christopher Brooks comes in, 10 for 90. Can we and get the talk. running game Two established games. a little bit early? Part yes. of a faster start. And I don't care. I, yes, the, it's got to get established. But if you move the chains and score consistently, like BYU had a two-play drive with a passing touchdown, it was like, this is going to be a fun night. Nope. It, it slowed down. Man. It didn't work. Okay, topic two, game day guarantees. Guaranteed to not go right. <laughs> so we both go one for three. The one I got. Oh, well, let's go through. You already rushed for two plus TDs. Nope, just one. Chris Brown. Late. Okay, and late. Got it. Should have been two. I thought they were going to get another touch, score another touchdown late. I know. You two. Have, uh, well, that would have helped the line, right? Yep. Cooks will have a positive turnover margin. Oh, <laughs> plus three. Yep. Plus three. Did BYU need plus three to win this game like that? Like, if it's even, Spence, is BYU win by seven? Well, the pick six helps early in the game. And Cooper sure. Lagoff fumbles inside the 15. Big plays there. Utah State was this close to being way more in this game. And then uh, BYU, uh, will they have 500? They will have 500 yards of total. No, 396. This was, BYU's offense can do much better. They can. Yes. And that's the exciting part is you're still winning despite not playing well, but it's like, shoot, is that a trend or is that a thing you're going to fix quick? All right. That's the question. My game day guarantees. I, too, was one for three, as you mentioned. I said BYU will score first. I bought into the, hey, slow start against Wyoming. Like, BYU's going to come out maybe a little more juice. That wasn't the case. You know what your problem was? The coin toss. Cooper Laga and Utah State. Because Utah State got it first. Got it first. And they marched down the field and scored first. So, eh, there. Jaron Hall will complete passes to at least six different receivers. It was exactly six. I love that. Thank you, Ethan Erickson. Oh, Ethan Erickson, only first catch. catch of his career is a touchdown. If he doesn't catch that, it doesn't happen. It's five. Okay? So, thank you, Jaron Hall, and thank you, Ethan Erickson. And then I thought Jacob Connor would play because I expected BYU to be up by 20-plus late in the game and that Jacob would come in and have at least one series. Jaron Hall took every snap. Jaron Hall took a seriously dirty hit to the knees. I'm concerned about his shoulder and knees right now. Kalani said he's fine. Yeah. But I am concerned. Yeah, I heard last night he's fine and that he's in good spirits. And he, he says he'll 100% be ready for Notre Dame. He was rubbing his right shoulder, or left shoulder, right? And he kind of, his arm was down a little bit when yeah. he ran off. I, I am concerned. I am concerned. Sure. And let's go ahead, let's validate the concerns. Yes. Like, overall, for BYU fans, like, the rush defense in the first half has not been good the past three games. Okay, straight up. 
that concern is validated. It can be better. It can be better. Yep. But BYU is still making adjustments at halftime, specifically against Wyoming and Utah State. And then I didn't ever feel like BYU was truly in danger of losing the game last night once yes. they got it halfway through the third quarter. I was like, okay, here Team, we go. Teams that have moral victory. No one talks. Loser, remember, losers talk about margin. I guess BYU won. We're concerned. So in that case. But like Utah State's like, hey, let it halftime. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you lost the game. Like It was tied at halftime. You're tied at halftime. Look at us. It's like, no, don't don't text me that Duke is down seven at halftime of the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Tell me when there's sure. like ten minutes left. Sure. Okay. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Stacey Dales reports Saints head coach Dennis Allen says Taysom Mills getting QB reps, part of the plan from the very beginning, says it'll be, uh, he'll be in a spot where they'll continue to get him reps there. So who will have more passing TDs this week? Zach Wilson, Taysom Mill, or Jacob Connor? Uh, Taysom Mill still the backup to Andy Dalton, who is the backup to Jameis Winston. So it's not going to be Taysom. Jacob Conover will be in the game, but he'll probably be handing the ball off because yeah. he's going to be up much. It's clearly Zach Wilson, Jerem. It, it is Zach for sure. It's clearly Zach Wilson. What about this tweet from the Hype Train podcast showing what is believed to be <laughs> the Utah State football equipment no, truck. There's no way this is real. Pulling out to head to Provo. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jerem, that's funny, but no. Does any part of you believe no. this? Even like one oh. percent of you believe oh. this to be real? Yes, but no, this is a bad, this is bogus. <laughs> no way. Sorry, that's not real. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Oh, that got uh, yeah, long laugh for me when I saw this this morning, and I'm laughing again now because it's fantastic. <laughs> we are farmers. Bump it up, 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 up. <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Next in line on the quarterback factory. Uh, what do you call that assembly line? Shall we call it, Jerem? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The assembly line apparently is now belonging to Jaron Hall, who in a lot of ways, has become the primary storyline. Not BYU football taking on Utah State. It's, it's about Jaron Hall right Is it now. Utah State this week? I didn't even know. <laughs> At field goals, okay? This is a Seahawks uh, fan account. SB Nation. SB Nation fan account. Goals, like a C. Okay. And we're going to set up a number of tweets here just to, to drive home the emphasis that Jaron Hall is this story. Field goal says, show of hands, how many of you are watching more college football this year with a specific focus on the quarterbacks because the Seahawks are in the market? Seahawks! Brock Heward, broadcaster, former NFL and college quarterback, said, watch. Seattle radio personality mm-hmm. as well. Watch Jaron Hall at BYU. Mm-hmm. It doesn't stop there, Jaron. He did the Oregon game. How about Lewis Riddick? One of the very best players in college football, one of the very best people in college football. Don't wait until the draft process begins to learn about why this man will be playing on Sundays in the NFL. Thursday night, 8 Eastern on ESPN. See for yourself. He is the analyst on the game, by the way. This week. Indeed he is. At McShay13, yes, that McShay, Todd McShay of ESPN, says the clear-cut top three quarterbacks in the 2023 class are C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and Will Levis. Tyler Van Dyke and Anthony Richardson are loaded with traits but have disappointed. Talking to NFL scouts, these QBs are rising fast. 
BYU's Jaron Hall, Hendon Hooker, and Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Jerem, with the rise of Jaron Hall and now all of this national attention being paid to him, is the quarterback factory back at Brigham Young University? It feels like it's going that direction. I'm not going to say it's back uh, quite yet, but I feel like if Jaron Hall is a first-round pick, then perhaps the wheels are now spinning, right? That, that the assembly line has begun again. Because if, if Jaron Hall throws a pass in the NFL next year, that means you're going to have three BYU quarterbacks, if you will. Taysom Hill, a hybrid, of course. Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. That's pretty good. Uh, there are schools nearby this one that have had two of the last in this century. And BYU, assuming that Jaron goes to the NFL and plays, would have three in the league now. I mean, that's pretty notable. Uh, and what Jaron Hall's been able to do as he waited his time is pretty significant. He's playing at such a, a high level. He is an elite quarterback in college football right now. He's one of the top ten quarterbacks, which is incredible. The way he takes care of the ball, as I mentioned, one of, out of every 87 throws. Wild. Okay, and we talked about um, what, yeah, who's saying what. NFL scouts are definitely on, his, uh, on the radar Jaron's on their radar. Yes. Aaron Roderick said as much on Coordinator's Corner on Monday. Listen to this. Yeah, I've said this before. I wouldn't trade him for anyone. I think he's playing as well as any quarterback in the country. And, um, you know, I don't know if the media people notice, but I, I know the NFL scouts are noticing how he's playing. Um, you know, I, and I expect him to keep getting better because we're, we're getting healthier and we're sort of just hitting our stride right now. I think offensively we're starting to find out a lot about our team. He's, he's on the radar, clearly, for a lot of people. It came off a tremendous game, 211 passer rating, tremendous, four touchdowns, no picks, BYU wins. He's exposed in a great way on ESPN. And then uh, Utah State Thursday night, that's a great exposure game as well on a Thursday night. And uh, you keep it going because you have Notre Dame and Arkansas coming up as well. Okay, so you're not quite ready to declare not, that not BYU is officially back in the quarterback factory if, business. If he's a first or second rounder, I think yes. And, like, how, how would we define this, Spence? Because – is it – we throw in Taysom Hill because he's been within kind of the Kalani Stucky sure. era. Does it require an, another guy next year to really feel like that? Like Be a consecutive sequence. Because the factory really was 79 to 85. Like that was – it was Mark Wilson, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Robbie Bosco. And then you look backwards, you go, wait a minute, Virgil Carter and Gary Scheiding, Gifford Nielsen were awesome. And then after that, it's Ty, it's Sark, it's Doman, it's Beck, Hall, Hill, yes. Wilson – Hall, to me, that's like the group. There are others on the outside of that that were really good too, Walsh, Federick, and others. But the list that I just gave is like, those guys are in a certain class at BYU. They're part of that factory. The key part of that is they all came immediately one after another. There was no drop-off. Not from It literally went from third-round NFL pick Gary Scheide to third-round NFL draft pick Gifford Nilsson, to first-rounder Mark Wilson, to first-rounder Jim McMahon, to first-rounder Steve Young, to third-round draft pick Robbie Bosco. And sometimes that took, like, two or three years, that process. Like, Steve, when he takes over for Jim. But the starting quarterbacks were all – there was no nobody in between is what I'm getting at, right? Yeah, so the process took a little bit yeah. longer. 75, it's Gifford's in the mix with someone else. I mean, eventually it becomes Gifford. Okay, so yeah. it, it feels yeah. more sequential – Right? Yeah. So when we look at now, like literally back-to-back -back is Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall with a little bit of Baylor-Romney mixed in because of injuries to Jaron right. Hall. But 
the two primary starting yeah, quarterbacks sure. back-to-back have been Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. So I just need to see a little bit more because we're talking of about – what, Jaron or the next guy? But The next guy. Okay. Like, back-to-back is really nice. Back-to-back, in my mind, based on BYU's history, does not qualify for quarterback factory. Do you need – so you, you have to have in a row. At, least, at least three in a row. And what would that third person need to do? They'd have to be an NFL draft pick, probably at Ooh. least. Yes. This, this yes. is a high – this is, what, this is why BYU was tabbed the quarterback factory at the height of the and Lavelle Edwards era because they were putting elite-level quarterbacks into the NFL, every single one of them. Okay, that, that, it, is, it is what it is. You're right. It's a, it's a super high standard. And in my mind, it's, it's okay. It deserves to be a super high standard. Right now, like, does it get better than back-to-back first-round draft picks? If Jaron Hall is a first-round draft pick. Like, that's, that's as good as it gets. That's as BYU good as it gets in the modern era. This is not the 70s, 80s, no, it, or even No, it's 90s. even tougher now. Yes. And what the, these guys are doing it when everyone else does a similar passing game. Like, BYU was at the forefront of the evolution of chucking it and throwing it 40 to 50 times in the game. People have caught up to that, right? BYU's competitive advantage went away a long time. Now they have different competitive advantages. Spence, I almost think that's too high of a standard – because BYU, like Oklahoma, yeah, like when you it doesn't spe- matter when where they're drafted. Heisman it doesn't matter and- where they're drafted. I mean, there are seven rounds. Just get a third consecutive quarterback drafted somewhere into the National Football League, and then I think we're talking about yeah, the quarterback factory. It's back. It's yeah. Is it back? Did I'm not talking first leave? rounder. I'm just saying like you could go in the seventh round, but if you follow Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall, and then you have like a sixth or seventh round quarterback drafted. That still qualifies. And that could be two or three years down the road. Absolutely. We don't need it to be the next year. No, absolutely. I, to me, that's almost too high a standard. I almost wonder is, can BYU continue to add to the factory? Because guess what? Certain products are distributed from certain factories that miss, but they're known for, oh, they've produced this, 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 and this. This is a great producer of X. You could have that for a certain production company with TV or films mm. or whatever. Like, like, Marvel is a movie factory, is it not? But they're not hitting on everything right now. Does that make sense? So, BYU, like, Taysom Hill is in that mix, even though you had Tanner Mangum between them. Love Tanner. He's not in, in that, like, elite company of quarterbacks, right? You skip some here and there. We're not talking about Sean Covey and Bob Jensen and Brett Ingeman. And there are certain ones that were good, but they don't fit into that space. Steve B- Sarkeesian wasn't an NFL quarterback. Right. Sark is in the factory to me. He's in that group. See, and so guys like John Beck and Max Hall and Brandon Doman have something over Sark. They played in the NFL. But Sark, Sark has a 14-1 Cotton Bowl win. Like, that's you, you could argue the second-best season in BYU history. I think we do, right? Interesting. So there are certain criteria there to qualify. It doesn't always include one thing, though. Okay. Well, uh, you know who does believe that the quarterback factory is back? We've collaborated with our guy Joe Testor. Joe, tell the people, is, is, the, is the QB factory back at BYU? The quarterback factory is back, folks. Okay, okay. Is it? Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, back. Joe said it, uh, so there you go. <laughs> and let's discuss that later because, yeah, I think there's a lot of nuance to, like, how do you get into that and what that means. Okay. Maybe it's just making an NFL roster. You don't have to, to me, it's draft not about NFL success, per se. It's about BYU success. Factory. Yeah. Okay. okay, topic two. BYU announces Southern Illinois is the football opener August 31st, 2024. Get your season tickets now. Just kidding. The Cougars also have a game at Utah scheduled the next week and at Wyoming the next week. East Carolina is scheduled for October 19th. It's not happening. Nevada's TBA, perhaps those two get pushed or canceled. We'll see. It would seem those, um, that's the case. 
What do you think of the 24th schedule as currently constituted? I feel like And I'm really focusing just on those first three. I don't think ECU and Nevada are going to be on schedule. I feel like there are still there's still more shuffling here. And, and I know so? that we talked about the Wyoming game and Tom Homo addressing the Wyoming game when he was asked specifically about it uh, on the BYU Sports Radio Network. Yeah, like, because Wyoming obviously came to Provo. BYU has a return game scheduled to go to Laramie. I'm wondering if that game's going to happen. Even though Tom said, and I quote, it is a good game. It is a game we should be playing. To me, that, and Laramie, why? that does not mean that the game absolutely is going to be played. Like, yeah, we should be playing. Guess what? BYU should be playing the game against Boise State. And BYU should be playing the game against should. you know Utah State, right? Oh, we should be. It's a good game. Yeah, they're good games. We should be. I don't know. I, I just feel like there's too much shuffling. BYU needs to guarantee at least two home non-conference games every season. In There's opinion, only one there. To guarantee that yeah. they have six, if not seven, home games over the course of a season. Yeah. Okay? So, if there's only if one, eight. if there's only one in 2024, then are we positive that that year the Big 12 will give BYU five home games and they'll only play four on the road? That's what it smells like, but I'm with you in that I don't want that game I don't think BYU's going to play that Wyoming. game. I don't think it's going to happen. And if BYU it buys do- it out. If it does happen, then somehow BYU is going to like try and manufacture two other home games. Utah's a road game. Yeah, that's Wyoming's happening. Wyoming's a road game. But we heard that BYU is supposed to play Nevada, and that was announced relatively recently, last year. BYU never announced that one. That was uh, a Nevada uh, media outlet reporting that, having obtained the contract. So BYU's never said we're playing Nevada, okay. to my knowledge. So if you are Tom Homo, if you are – BYU staffer. I, I just got to pay right. Okay. Home game. Hey, would you not go with the home game against Nevada and a home FCS and then play the road game against Utah depends and then get if, ready for the Big 12? Depends if Nevada has September 14th available. If they don't, then you can't do it. It's a September 14th situation. Now. Okay, so maybe maybe Nevada is like, okay, we're, we're backing out and BYU is in a tough spot. Do they have to play no, they're Wyoming not. at that no, point? No, they're not. They just you, play a G5 at home. Do you have – It's not well, tough. Do you have to play Wyoming home at that point to honor the agreement? Like, are, is, they pr- I wonder is Tom if they in a position that. where he's like, ah, I feel like I need to pay off this quote-unquote debt? You are a P5 now at this point. You don't owe a G5 anything, ever. I don't want BYU to play, I think, any G5 road games. You still could if you want. You could do a Utah State. I don't think you need a Boise State. Well, here's the thing. Sometimes but you don't have dro- to now. Sometimes things are going to drop out, and you're kind of under the gun, and there are not many, oppor- like, there are not many options. So uh, is, this an, is this a scenario where there aren't many options in 2024? Like you have to go to Wyoming? Or guess what? You're a P5. You pay someone to come to Provo. Maybe it's a G5 that you pay to come to Provo. Like you are a big dog now mm. in 2024. The mentality needs to change. You're not a road show going across the country to appease fans and ESPN. You are a P5 trying to win a conference championship. you got to schedule to win, and that is to not play G5s on the road almost ever, maybe ever. I lo- By the way, I looked at a couple schools. Texas Tech's playing a ton of G5s on the road in the next few years. Washington does not. Michigan State does not. Uh, Iowa State's playing two. So some do, some do not. I would prefer not to. It's only one. And again, and it's only and it, it's the only one scheduled. Keep, by the way, is a part of keeping like your word on an agreement. There's some contra- every there's contract to, can know, be broken, including temple that. ceilings. I know there's, every there, contract doesn't make it difficult. Doesn't make it not difficult though. It's difficult, right? It can be tough. Sometimes you don't want. <laughs> it's it. not hard to get out of a contract. 
Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, there's... It's not hard at all. There's history between BYU and Wyoming, too, that's factoring into this. That's why I don't want to play in Lincoln. <laughs> because of that history. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. You know who uh, kind of flies under the radar as a guy who has gone through a lot of injuries and just kept at it is Braden Cosper. We often forget about that. Braden Cosper working hard to get his first touchdown. It's been a long time coming. He did so. I spoke with him recently, BYU Sports Nation, all access, one-on-one. Here's Braden Cosper. Braden, let's start with your first career touchdown catch as a BYU Cougar in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And apparently scoring touchdowns uh, for the first time happens right before halftime between you and Trace Roberts. Is that a thing? Um, yeah, we just got a little, you know, we've actually had it in the game plan for a few weeks now. And so I've been looking forward to running it, but we haven't really gotten in that, you know, that low red where we, where we would call it. But um, this week we did. And um, so it was nice to, after all those reps in practice, like finally gets called and you finally just get to execute what you've been practicing all, you know, for the past few weeks. And uh, yeah, just kind of went out there, did what I've been practicing, didn't overcomplicate it and uh, was able to make the play. What was that moment and experience like for you to score a touchdown for the first time in Lavelle Edwards Stadium? It's amazing, you know, especially I think, you know, I've, I've been injured, you know, all these years and I've always dreamed about, you know, running things over in my head, like making that play and getting a touchdown. And so it was like such a relief and excitement. Um, just felt super grateful to be able to have that opportunity. Moving forward, the wide receiver room, not only have you proved that it's one of the deepest position groups on this BYU team, but there's still concern that, you know, guys like Puka are hurt again. Gunner hasn't played all season. Chase Roberts didn't see the field much on Saturday night and was in street clothes for the second half. So what's the dynamic of the wide receiver room like right now with, you know, so many question marks around injuries? You know, I think, uh, you know, we always want those guys healthy. I, I mean, those are great players. Um, we love having those guys in the room and, and it only makes our team better when they're all healthy. But, you know, I think the mindset has been, and it will continue to be, you know, next man up and come in and make plays. And, and we're all confident we, that we can do that. Um, you know, no one's, you know, overstressing, like all these guys are injured. Um, we'll get these guys back. Um, we'll continue to step up and make plays. And then we'll be, really have a, an unstoppable air attack when we're all healthy and, and all playing. So what's it like to play with a quarterback like Jaron Hall, who seemingly never turns the ball over and has just what it seems like a knack for taking the risk, the right risk at the right time and always hitting the big play. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great feeling when uh, as an offense, really not just as a receiver to, to have a quarterback who's such a great leader, who's always so calm, you know, even when things aren't going our way, um, you know, it's always reassuring to look at, look at your quarterback and know like, Hey, we're going to be fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a joy, you know, to be able to play at someone who plays at such a high level like Jaron. Um, so I'm just, you know, I'm grateful and we all trust him. Coaches trust him. Everybody trusts him. Um, so it's, it's a blessing for sure. What's his demeanor like on the field in a stressful situation? The same Jaron that you get in the locker room on a Monday. Like he's just <laughs> super calm. You know, he's, 
he's almost in dad mode still like he's such <laughs> a dad he's just confident he's you know, he's got like just a wise dude like that's how i describe him as you prepare for utah state in a thursday night game what changes in your schedule as you lead up to that showdown with the aggies early in the week uh just i think the biggest thing is film study you know started after the game um on saturday like we usually have a, a film schedule that we follow um and so i think it's it's always important for us to jump on the film, get ahead in the film, uh, get the personnel, look at what they're doing on defense. And then practices, we don't get as many practices, but um, we'll get close to the same number of reps as we do in a normal practice week. And so getting the film study and then applying that in practice. So not too big of a change. It's just got to get your, your mind and body ready for an mm -hmm. earlier game. The Wyoming game kind of feels like a good precursor for the Utah State game because they're both kind of long-established rivalries, old Mountain West Conference uh, teams. So what does what does a game against Wyoming and, and the struggles it, you know, your team went through at times during that contest do to help you prepare for what what is seeming like a sneaky, tough rivalry game on Thursday night? Yeah, I think you said it, um, you know, tough. It's going to be tough. You, Wyoming's a tough team. They play discipline, and I think Utah State's going to be the same. Uh, they're going to play us tough. Uh, they'd love nothing more than to come to you know our home home field and beat us, and they're going to give it give us their best shot. So I think it was good for us to you know, face some adversity against a tough team like that and be able to push through that. And I think it's going to be um, another tough tough game uh, this Thursday. Uh, Braden, uh, before we wrap up, just wanted just to be clear because there have been so many injuries in the wide receiver room and going through your injury history, you're you're good to play, right? You're feeling good. I feel great, man. I feel great. It's nice to not be the one injured, so I'm oh my gonna, gosh. I'm enjoy that. That is that's some of the best news I've heard in a while. Okay, that you are healthy, you are back and and ready to contribute. Uh, we look forward to watching you play against Utah State on Thursday night. Uh, in full health and keep uh, crushing it as a wide receiver BYU man thanks for the time yep thank you I appreciate you we'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation the best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday it is our pleasure to welcome onto the show for the first time a man who I've said we, we reference a ton on this show. Content contributor to the program yes. without knowing it. Yes. He's known as Big Game <laughs> Boomer, as Jaron pointed out as we went to break. He has a name, too. Yeah, it's John name. Whitaker. Yeah. John, John, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Happy to be here. First time in Provo. Welcome. Okay. I love Great it. Great to have you. What, yeah. what do you think so far? It's awesome. It's gorgeous. I mean, look at this backdrop. I mean, it's it's insane. Um, I can tell you what, Big 12 fans are going to flock here once yes. you guys are in the Big 12. Because, I mean, this is the trip. I mean, it's going to be awesome. For sure. All yeah. right, John, uh, you have mastered lists and <laughs> hit the hearts and minds of college football fans nationwide. Some positively, some egging Th this them is, on. This is what is happens. Awesome. This is what happens when you make lists. Uh, yeah, uh, there, there's no bias. The good and the bad. Okay. <laughs> Just like our program. <laughs> when did this process start for you? So it started, I had never used Twitter until like November of 2020. Okay. Really had just got on, started kind of trash talking with fans. Once the season was over in 2021, I 
started just making these lists. Now, I'm an OU guy, so I made a list that was uh, schools that have more wins than Texas over the last 10 years. Um, <laughs> kind of just trolling Longhorn fans, and that just kind of took off, went viral. And ever since then, I just – one idea after another, and I had like 50 followers in November of 2020, and it's just blown up. I mean, my articles and or my list just show up, you know, on Sports Illustrated and USA Today. I mean, it's just it's wild. That is um, wild. It's been crazy, and I'm loving every second of it. <laughs> okay, so we we've seen the list and we use them because we're a daily show yeah. during summer. We love it, especially in May, June, and July. Yeah, they yeah, give people when, they give yes. fans people does it like they give fans yeah. stuff to talk about. It's not right. I mean, it's my opinion. Yes. Um, and it just it makes for a great debate um, on you know atmospheres, players, I mean, everything. It, it's, now, it's now, fun. if BYU was low on these lists, you're not on the program. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> BYU's high on the list, and, the, and Utah's low, typically. Yeah. Uh, but it's also like, is it Ole Miss or Mississippi State that you have it out for as well? <sighs> right now, well, <laughs> it, it just depends. Right now, it's Ole Miss because, like, I, I rank, like, student sections and stuff, and I don't know if you guys saw the game last week. It, the student section was empty uh, at halftime. The, but the Grove is, is packed. Uh, everyone's having a good time down there. So right now it's Ole Miss. It just it kind of varies what, which fan bases are, are enjoying my content and which fan bases hate me. I mean, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it changes on a 24-hour basis. That's awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. Big game boomer John Whitaker is on BYU Sports Nation. You mentioned you're an OU guy. Yeah. Did you go to school in yes. Norman? Yes. Yeah, I went to OU, graduated t- 2014, um, so I'm an OU fan, so I'm hurt that we lost to Kansas State uh, yeah, last week. Yeah. That, that was not fun. But, uh, but yeah, I'm an OU guy. Did you hate BYU in 2009 when the Cougars won in Dallas? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what was that? That was, for, that was the Sam Bradford game yes. when he got hurt. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, I, I did. But, uh, man, what, what got me on the BYU and the fan base and everything was I picked BYU to beat Utah last year. Uh-huh. I didn't think Charlie Brewer was the right quarterback for, for their system. You had seen him and, at Baylor. Yeah, I saw him at Baylor. And so I picked them, the BYU, to win. And Utah fans were just like, oh, you're an idiot. You're crazy. You're like, blah, blah, blah. We've won eight years in a row. And, and BYU won. And ever since then, uh, I've had a pretty good relationship with <laughs> one pick over Utah. We'll yep. do it. Yeah, it's that a shame. It's a will. shame you guys aren't playing them this year. Utah had to go down to Florida and, and lose when they should have been playing in, in the Holy War. Yeah, they they should have <laughs> lost a game in Salt Lake yeah. uh, to BYU yeah. instead. That would have been nice, and that would have been a great game. I mean, that would have been a absolutely top game. Yeah. top twenty game early. Yeah, that would have been nice. I know people are still. Some people are still holding out some, some just inkling of, of hope that a game. bowl game happens. We, we had that in 2015 so. where they said, "Hey, we're not going to play for two years," and they didn't in 14, and then in 15 they met in a bowl game. So it's only <laughs> there you one go. year. Hopefully, hey, it happens maybe. this year. Okay, so walk us through sort of what this uh, these lists have meant because now you started like a podcast and yeah, got I've got more a pod- going on, right? Yeah, I mean, I've got a podcast. Uh, me and my little brother uh, just kind of started it up. It's kind of gaining traction. I mean, we do one every week. I mean, I don't, I don't have called? time. It's just called the Big Game Boomer podcast. Um, I've had Power Five coaches uh, on the show, like Shane Beamer and Jed Fish from Arizona. That's pretty good. Jed man. Fish is a great guy. Uh, yeah, he is a great guy. I like seeing Arizona uh, improving. Um, but yeah, it's just it's kind of just for fun, and you know, we're having a good time with it. But it's for college football fans. I mean, if they want to check out good content, you check out the podcast. Where do you see this thing evolving and uh, developing? Man, if I'd have told you two years ago that I'd be sitting here, you know, <laughs> with you guys, I would have told you, I'm, you're crazy. So I have no. I'm just kind of enjoying the ride, man. It's uh, it's been crazy. Um, 
all the just connections I've made and everything, I mean, it's just kind of blown up into a college football. I mean, people like my name's John Whitaker, but everyone calls me Big Game Boomer. <laughs> you're like, that's I, your name. Yeah. Like if you if I, we went to Bam Bams and we're like, hey, this is John Whitaker, they'd be like, who? So they're like, <laughs> Big, Game, Big Boomer. Game Boomer. Oh, oh yeah, there yeah, we you, go. Yeah. So. That, that's you. That's, yeah, that's awesome. your identity yeah. for sure exactly. with college football. Okay. Tell us about sort of how you're feeling about two years, uh, we think, of OU and Texas in the Big 12, the new Big 12, yeah. and then the SEC and all that, and what the new Big 12 will look like, and maybe more teams from the Pac-12. If I, they I like it. I mean, I like, I think the Big 12 is set up better now without OU and Texas. Um, I thought, when, what was it, like 2017, 2016, when they were going to add, they're, they're talking about expanding, they should have added the schools that they, are, they added uh, last year then. Um, and maybe OU and Texas don't leave. But uh, I, I think it's set for success. I mean, they went up and got the probably the best four, you know, group of five teams and, and expanding. If you can get the four corner schools, um, I know Colorado's just is terrible right now. But, I mean, it's going to be a great basketball conference for one thing. But um, – from top to bottom, it's going to be a competitive league, um, especially with Kansas playing good now. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Kansas. four and zero. Yeah, they're they're killing it right now. Now we should point out that Kansas is in a four way tie for second in our Big Twelve plus we, four power rankings. We make lists. We, we make lists. Yeah, there you go. That's a good make list. So yeah. you can take a look at our <laughs> totally unbiased Big Twelve now, plus four. This power week rankings. we mailed it in. <laughs> Boomer, because we couldn't figure out who the second five, best team in the Big 12 plus five was. way tie for second. So, so yeah. there's our graphic. What do you think? We got Oklahoma State as the best team in the league at the moment. Yeah, because Oklahoma lost. So yeah, they no, I agree. One. I agree. We got BYU, Baylor, Kansas State, Oklahoma, Kansas tied for second. We're How's not really that? sure who the second best team in the conference. What do you think? I feel like we'll know who the second best team is on Saturday. Yeah. Or, uh, after Baylor and OSU play, OSU just hasn't played anybody yet. Okay. Um, Baylor, Baylor's been one. tested. I mean, they came up here. Lost in a great game, but I mean they went on the road to Iowa State. Always tough. Yeah. Um, so uh, right now I think Baylor's the best team, um, but but Oklahoma State has Spencer Sanders. Um, he's been there for like seven years now. <laughs> Lights out. But their defense, their defense is not what it was last year. I mean they've gotten gashed by Central Michigan um, and Arizona State. So we'll see. I, 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 you know, I Baylor is right the best now. team. I think yeah. I that, think Baylor's the best. That would team. be the best possible thing for BYU because win right. Oh, win over because if, if they win the Big Twelve again. Yes. We hope Baylor's in the top three in the league. So yeah. that win just matters. Although, you know, unless BYU only has one loss, it's whatever. BYU's going to whateverbowl.com. Yeah. But. I'd like to see you. I'd like to see. If BYU wins out, they should definitely be in a New Year's Six Bowl. It'd be nice. There's only one at large this year. Yeah. Because of the bowl rotation with Peach and Cotton. So well, I did know is that tough. BYU is technically not a group of five school. Correct. So they would not get that top right. group Correct. of five. I did not know that until this B year. So that's BYU chose to be in its own space like Notre Dame, although Notre Dame has exceptions that BYU does not. So, yeah. yeah. Next year, that's not an issue. Yeah. No, but also next year, BYU is going to play 10 Power Fives for the first time There'll in There will be plenty history. of opportunity, yes, to go and prove it next year. Not to say that there is an opportunity this year with Notre Dame and Arkansas still looming, but first Utah State. So why the Utah Utah State game for you as your first experience in Utah? Well, I was going to go to the Baylor game, um, but I, I just it, it's hard for me because I'm watching all the games. It, it's just easier for me to get up here for like a Thursday night game. I had to get up to Provo uh, for, for a game. Um, and I thought, you know, going into the season, I thought Utah State would be a pretty decent opponent yeah. for, for BYU. But they've, you know, fallen off a cliff uh, this season. So, I mean, it's a rival in-state rivalry. And, you know, I just I had to get up here and check out Provo. Well, we're glad you're here. We're yeah. glad that you have uh, now been officially welcomed into BYU Sports Nation. Yeah. 
Um, and we'll call you whatever you want us to call you. We can call you John Whitaker, or we can just keep calling you Big Game the Boomer. Big Game Boomer, BGB, BGB. Boomer. Yeah, that, that's go. what everyone – yeah, when I do spaces and stuff, like on Twitter, everyone calls me BGB. It's, I love uh, it, It's dude. wild, that's man. It's great. It's wild. Fantastic. <laughs> hey, enjoy your time. Appreciate y'all for having Thanks me on. coming. You got it. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Very, very talented play-by-play man and studio host for ESPN, Matt Berry is on BYU Sports Nation. Matt, great to have you on the show as you make your debut here. Hey, Spencer Jen, this is great. I mean... You guys kind of said the debut, first time here in Provo, uh, just trying to, to soak up. To me, what is, like, picturesque-wise, one of the greatest atmospheres in college football. And you back that up with the history of what BYU football has meant around the country. I, look, we're excited for tonight. When we got our Thursday night schedule, I pointed to this game tonight. I said, that wagon wheel, we're playing for that. <laughs> and you've got, you know, like, it's going to be a good one tonight. We're excited. And – Certainly, when it was originally on the schedule, you thought Utah State would probably bring them more, more to the matchup. It certainly hasn't gone that way for them, but there's a lot of storylines in this one. It feels like one of the top ones, if not the top one, is the way that Jaron Hall has played. I know you guys have been impressed on uh, college football uh, final and other shows that you're on, but he, he was dynamic last week. We'll see if he can keep that going because he's pacing for something special in the NFL draft next year. Yeah, and Jim, that's one of the things when you look at with Jaron and, and how he's progressed throughout the season, well, here's what happens, and you guys know this. You, you get a quarterback that you talk about, right? Maybe a whisper, maybe a slow audible on, on who he is, and then little by little the hype around the player grows. And that's kind of where I think we are with Jaron Hall. The fact that he's you know he's been full-time football, everybody knows the story by now, and if they don't, we'll tell it's not on the broadcast. How if not playing baseball, there's a chance he would have beat out Zach for the starting quarterback job. And now it's his, and it's been his. And he's kind of growing nationally into a player that I think by the end of this season you're going to be talking about as a, a legitimate consideration for a first-round pick. I know Lewis Riddick loves it. And so tonight, on a Thursday night, and that's the beauty of Thursday night college football. Saturday is great because there's so many games going on at once, but that's just it. There's how many games every window? 16 games across the country nationally televised. Tonight, if if you're curious about BYU and you're curious if this Jaron Hall kid is legit with what we've heard about the hype, this is a perfect opportunity not only for him, but for Kalani and BYU to have the audience all to themselves to kind of show that maybe the Oregon loss was a little bit of an aberration. Yeah. And with the schedule that's coming up with Notre Dame and Arkansas, this is a good night for the program to kind of have the college football country to themselves. Matt Berry of ESPN is with us on BYU Sports Nation, and you've led me into my next question because we've seen a little bit of everything from BYU. Certainly the blowout at USF was a great start. You come home, win a dramatic double overtime game against Baylor, and then kind of go and lay an egg on the road against an ultra-motivated Oregon team who was looking to prove something after they were embarrassed by Georgia, and BYU beats Wyoming by 14. So, Matt, after what you've seen from BYU and kind of the polar opposites of the Baylor and Oregon game, what, what is BYU in the national spotlight? What does the national media think of BYU after four games? Matt Spencer, look, BYU nationally is, 
I think who everybody believes they are and can be. They are physical. If there's one thing Kalani's done over the past couple of years, the 10 and 2 season, the 11 and 1 season, physically up front, they're going to beat you for four quarters. That's just been the MO. That's just who they are. Offensively, they don't do anything that makes you say, wow. They just do a lot really, really well. And they're disciplined. They're going to play for four quarters. And that's why, I mean, you guys know this, being college football fans, unless you're maybe Alabama or Georgia, you're going to have a week where you're just facing a team and you just don't play your best. Yeah. That, that was Oregon. I, I believe that Oregon was an outlier relative to, as you said, motivated after just getting absolutely embarrassed on national TV against Georgia and BYU not playing up to their potential. Now, if they don't start fast tonight, I think we'll, we'll cover that on the broadcast. You guys, last week against Wyoming wasn't exactly the greatest start, but they finally figured it out in the second half. And so if they come out and play like we saw in week one, start a little quicker than they've been, I still believe this is a top 15 team in the country, which, by the way, with the games they have coming up on their schedule, it's all in front of this team to, again, reach that national attention that I believe talent-wise, especially with Gunner coming back, we'll see when Puka comes back. I, look, it's a talented football team, and so tonight is going to be kind of that next step in getting people back onto the BYU national bandwagon. I'm waiting for the Pete Thamel uh, update on uh, Gunner and Puka. It seems like every week he's been the guy that's had that. Hey, it's an early week now. Uh, let's go. For BYU, the depth has been notable because you have uh, Trumpet playing Miles Davis uh, with 100-plus yeah. last week. Keanu Hill goes off. It's not been who BYU thought it would be at the beginning of the year. It's been interesting. So what have you thought of sort of the personnel of BYU? Because we don't exactly know who's going to lead BYU in rushing tonight. Yeah, so it, I think it's a great question because one of the things that the, the Utah State coaching staff was actually telling us about Jaron is how impressive he's been this season, but he's been doing it without his weapons, without Gunner, without Puka. A lot of injuries on the offensive side of the ball. Try to get the running backs going, and Miles Davis was the guy in the second half last week that kind of gave them that jolt that they needed because they were kind of stuck in the mud for a while. And all that does, I think, for Kalani and this offensive staff is it gives them an opportunity, A-Rod calling ball plays, to say, hey, look, I've got Gunner back. We're going to see exactly what he is tonight. That's part one. Part two, is Miles one of those guys that can give us an early shot in the arm? We know what Kato is going to give. That guy is so disciplined in who he is as a runner. But if you're an offensive play caller and you've got the quarterback playing the way he's playing, Isaac Rex is always going to be a player to watch. He's just a fun tight end. I know Lewis and I both like him. But if Miles shows up, and it's like, you know what, maybe that was his coming out party a week ago, then you're talking about three stable running backs and potentially a home run threat that can get confidence week in and week out. And that's all college football is. We see young running backs every week, and they tell us all the time. We called the Pittsburgh game or the West Virginia game, West Virginia Pitt. They've got a young freshman running back, C.J. Donaldson. And they told us, hey, look, with freshmen, it's all about confidence. With younger backs, it's all about confidence, picking up pass protection, learning the scheme. If, if Miles is now starting to get that experience over the past couple of years and now the last game, it's just another weapon. And, and that makes BYU even more multidimensional. Matt Barry of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. I think every BYU fan right now is kind of wondering, Matt, what's the realistic ceiling for this team? Just maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, what if this team can figure it out against 
Notre Dame and Arkansas and put together something special. What's the realistic ceiling for BYU in the regular season, do you think? So I said it on our, our production call this morning. I would take BYU now over Notre Dame. I think they're the better football team, especially if they can get 100% healthy, and that's kind of the blessing of a Thursday night game. I know it's a short week coming off the prior game, but now look, you have till October 8th to get healthy for Notre Dame. So I like him against Notre Dame. Arkansas, for me, is going to be the matchup where you can really see BYU get back into this top 10 conversation, New Year's 6 conversation, because that all in all likelihood is going to be a ranked Arkansas team from the SEC who's coming to town. Now, having said that, Arkansas has Alabama this week. Alabama has the tendency to break a lot of people. Arkansas coming off a loss a week ago to Texas A&M when they had the lead 14-0. Could have been 21-0. Yeah. I mean, as he's pointing out, could have been 21-0. So we lost Matt just for a second. Is is he back with us? If he's back with us, we'll bring him back in. Okay, so Matt, you were saying, so it could have been 21-0, and that's where you cut off. What were you going to say after that? Yeah, my apologies for the hotel internet here. (laughs) It could have been 21-7, and and Arkansas could have gone in that game against Texas A&M and run away with it. So they're teetering a little bit. You've got B, you've got Alabama this weekend who can break a lot of teams. But if BYU, I like him against Notre Dame. If they can get a visiting Arkansas team and with the one loss on the season, I think at that point it'd be what five five and one, six and one. Yeah, yeah. guys, New Year's Six is a possibility with Liberty after that. East Carolina, Boise. Look, that's why I'm so excited about this team because there's going to be two games on their schedule where they're going to get to have a legitimate say and what their postseason's going to be. Love it. Matt, great to catch up with you and uh, welcome you officially to BYU Sports Nation. Looking forward to your call on ESPN tonight and uh, having you and Lewis and the crew here in uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Guys, the hospitality's been great. We cannot wait to get over to the stadium. We anticipate a fun football game tonight, and I'm looking forward to seeing this team in person. They've been very impressive so far. Fantastic stuff. Thanks so much, Thanks, Matt. Matt. All right, guys, see you back. Take care. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Uh, Gunner, I asked you about this last night, but let's do it again for uh, the morning audience here. Walk us through that play, what was called, and, I mean, was this something that was, like, drawn up going into the game? Like, were you expecting this call right then? Yeah, for sure. At the, begin- <laughs> at the beginning of the week, we said we were going to be aggressive, and, you know, we were trying to decide what play we were going to run to do that. Um, but that's something that A-Rod and, and me had conversations with. You know, we're going to get involved early and – you know, Jaron uh, liked the matchup outside, and I got open. He had a great ball out there. It was, it was fun to get started. Walk us through the catch and then the emotion that you let out here. Yeah, it was a lot of emotion for sure. I mean, having my first catch after missing four weeks. But honestly, it was a lot of frustration, too. I felt like I should have stayed up and broke that tackle. Um, that was frustrating, but it was really fun <laughs> to get out there and, you know, get my feet wet a little bit. If you had pulled a Dax Milne 2020 first play touchdown, that yeah. would have been incredible. Yeah, no. That, I, you were this close. You I felt was this like close. It. <laughs> that, that's like a second. shoestring trip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You got, you got to break out of those. You got to high step out of that one. That's, I'll, I'll chalk that one up to rusty legs. Yeah, how, how'd, you, how'd you come into this game and sort of manage that emotion? Because you've been wanting to play for a couple weeks now, obviously a serious injury, which we'll get into in a sec. But you finally get a play, you finally get in, and you make this big catch, and, yeah. and uh, you had an opportunity – Throughout the game to make big plays. Yeah, no, it, it was a lot of emotion going into this game. It was super frustrating, you know, sitting on the sideline the last four weeks just watching, 
Um, so I was really excited to get back in there. Um, you know, my body I wasn't completely ready. I'm out, completely out of shape. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, so it was limiting my reps a little bit, but you know, it was good to actually go out there and, and get a little bit of contact, get a little bit of that feel, and you know, just get get me prepared for the next couple of weeks. So you're still getting into shape, you're saying? Oh, for sure, yeah. Especially on the short week. You know, I, I got cleared on on Monday to to start going. Um, and super what, short. What does that mean exactly? So, uh, full go, everything. Full go. Yeah. Now you can clear run full, full mm -hmm. and the whole deal. Yeah. So I mean, I'd, I'd been running and stuff, but nothing like practicing. Nothing. Gotcha. Nothing like crazy. So trying to get into shape after, you know, having a, having that Thursday game, it was it was a quick turnaround for sure. But, you know, now we got a long weekend and a long week to prepare. Gunnar Romney is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We were just discussing BYU's 12-point victory in a rivalry game. There were clearly some frustrating things, penalties, uh, lack of discipline at times. Was what was the feeling like in the locker room once you finally got to the locker room? Was was there some was there some disappointment or was it just like you know, on to the next? Yeah, no, no. There's no disappointment when you have a win. I think people don't realize how hard it is to come across wins at, at this level. Um, and, you know, especially against an in-state rival like that. We, we knew Utah State was going to come out with a lot of energy, a lot of passion, and they did. And, you know, they, they kind of stuck it to us in the first half a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think I, I told you this last night, that's a sign of a mature team to be able to go in and make adjustments at halftime and come out and then be able to dominate the second half. And so there, there was really there was frustration throughout the game for sure. But once we got in, you know, we, we secured that victory. It's always exciting to get a, get a huge win over a rival. Yeah, we were talking about that too because uh... – in the end, the end matters, whether you win or not, right? Fans are certainly excited after the Baylor win. Oh, this team is that level, right? Oh, why aren't we blowing out Mountain West teams at home? Dot, dot, dot. Perhaps the concern is that this is a trend leading into two big games with Notre Dame and Arkansas. But give us a sense of, like, the team going into a big game like Notre Dame and Arkansas, of, like, how much do you feel like what you did the previous two weeks connects or not to the Notre Dame game? Yeah, I mean... It, it, it depends, really. It depends on each individual, you know, but I think there, there is a natural tendency to get more hyped up and, and feel like you need to prepare more for bigger games, which, you know, obviously that's, that's not how it should be. You should be, you know, preparing for every game the same. But I think there is a natural tendency to go into bigger games and into bigger environments with more energy and, and, and more enthusiasm. And so whether that, you know, shows on the field and that's the reason for our slow starts the last couple of weeks, um, you know, I, I, don't, I'm no, I don't know. I'm not one to say, but... Um, you know, we, we will come out with a lot more energy, I'll say that. What, and maybe there's a dynamic to BYU being a nationally ranked team. I mean, can, maybe we You're should... Getting everyone's best shot Maybe we should thing. address the fact that you, as a team, have a target on your backs. And Kalani even said, look, we need to be prepared. Like, we're being hunted. We've got to figure out how to kind of return that same energy. So I feel like that does play into it a little bit. How do you, how do you handle the constant target of being a nationally ranked team? Yeah, and I think that's something that we're still adjusting to because, you know, uh, at least early in my career, we were always the team that was that was looking to go in and get wins against big teams. And, you know, now that we are the ranked team, it's, it's a different mindset. You know, maybe um, we have to kind of go back to that hunger and that drive to go in and that we had when we're playing teams when we're the underdog. You know, I, I think there, there definitely is a different mentality when you're the underdog, underdog going into games. Um, you know, but we, we need to be mature enough to be able to handle that and realize that, you know, people are gunning for us. People are going to come, you know, trying to knock us off. Um, so I, I think you make a great point right there. And when you were a freshman and sophomore, you're playing at Wisconsin, Tennessee, USC at home, and so on, where it's like, oh, we're the young, we're not supposed to win this game. And then you surprise some teams. Now you're the seniors, fifth-year senior in this case. It's like, all right, we're the, we're the big dog in this. Okay, let's talk about lacerated kidney, dude. Yeah. 
Okay, so BYU football put out a play. We saw the great catch. Tell us what happened and what you went through, because it sounds gnarly. Yeah, so um, it, it was on that catch during during uh, day two of fall camp, just no pads, uh, just a super routine catch. You know, I've, I've made that same catch, um, you know, hundreds of times in my life, but just landed on the ball super weird, and everything felt completely normal after. You know, I got a little, little wind knocked out of me, but just a couple hours later, got an excruciating pain. Um, you know, had to had to get rushed to the ER and was was in the hospital for you know like eight days. Just, eight days, yeah, just with with bleeding and um, from a lacerated kidney. So it was a really serious injury. Like it, it wasn't something that um, that we were taking lightly at all. And that, you know, that's a lot of people were you know complaining, oh where's Gunner, where's Gunner? But I was in the hospital with the lacerated kidney. Um, so it, it was something serious. But luckily, um, you know, we, we've had a lot of um, you know medical help and medical opinions on this and. Felt like I, I was ready to go now. Do you have to play different in any way? Because that feels like that's a life injury that could be pretty yeah. serious. Yeah, no, no. Thank, thankfully, you know, everything's healed up now and, and I'm, I'm all good. And so there's no further risk to that injury anymore. And so I, I can play like I, like I normally can. How you doing after the crosser where you got hit pretty hard last night? I'm a little sore for sure, but just <laughs> just routine soreness after. Normal football yeah. wear and tear. Exactly. That's, that's good because, dude, eight days in, in the hospital is serious. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to hurt your leg and heal up from that. Why not? Yeah. But this is like, when the organ is healed, he can play. An or this is an organ we're talking about. Yeah. That is, that is wild is that, reality. Is that the gnarliest injury you've ever had? Oh, for sure. I, I think it's for sure the most unique injury I've ever had. The most rare injury, for sure. And that's not one you think about. No. Like, oh, I hope I don't lacerate my kid. Yeah, yeah. And you play with a, uh, take this as a compliment, a reckless abandon when you catch. You want to go get it. Mm. Yeah. So uh, when, when you make a couple plays there yesterday, you're going after it even after this. Yeah. We're weeks removed from this. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's something that you, I, you know, I wasn't expecting to go into practice and lacerate my kidney that one day. <laughs> it's, it's, it is, I, I kind of look back and just laugh like, you know, that, that's, <laughs> it's funny at this point. I, who, who lacerates their kidney with no pads? What in the world? Um, but yeah, it's something that uh, I, I, like I, like you said, um, you know, I go after every ball, like, like my life depended on it. And, you know, it's, it's just how I play. That's my style, but I'm not, I'm not going to stop doing that. So a couple of themes came up with Kalani Satake last night. He kept bringing up discipline, like guys just got to play better and we got to figure out how to bring the energy early. How do you do that? Like, what is, what is the key to preventing those mental lapses and some of those penalties and then starting with the energy that you have seemingly have in the second half, but in the beginning of the game? Yeah, um, you play how you practice. And so that starts early in the week. You know, we you can't overlook anything. If you're holding or, or doing anything stupid in practice, it's going to show up in the game because those are the habits that you're building. Um, and also with practice, if you go out and you have dry practices with no energy, you're going to come into the game and, and be the same way. You, you, you have to create your own energy. We always say, you know, the, the fans at Lavelle Edwards, like, they're, they're crazy. They're going to give us all the energy that they can. Um, but, you, you know, when, when we're having a little bit of a lull, we got to create our own energy. We got to start making plays to, to drive the energy up. Um, you know, we can't have those three, four series where we're going three and out or, or we're, you know, just giving up easy plays and making stupid mistakes. We, we have to start that early in, early in the week um, during practice to start building that up. Hard not to get up for Notre Dame, obviously. In Allegiant Stadium, where you guys beat Arizona last year, what are your thoughts on that matchup in nine days? Which, luckily, you get, I guess, eight days. You get some time to prepare for that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. They're obviously a super, you know, 
household name in college football, one of the one of the biggest names in college football, and super talented team. You know, they have tons of tons of talent. So it's going to be a fun one going down in Vegas I, again. That was, um, you know, for me personally, it's kind of a redemption game. I, mm. I got I got hurt in that. You got stadium rolled up on. Year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I didn't really get to play too much in that stadium. Um, so it's kind of a redemption game. I, I I'm looking at it um, myself, but it's going to be really fun. I think the energy is going to be great in there. Gunner, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the game against Notre Dame. Shout out to Mormon Colonies. Yeah. <laughs> My guy. Appreciate that. We appreciate you coming in the morning after a late game, man. Yeah, yeah no, a little, little hard getting out of bed. Sure, it's like, do I have to? Yeah. The team play is creating energy, positive energy going and, into the week. And glad you're feeling better. That's crazy. Man. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Crazy. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.